Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. I'm Rachel Downey and I've got with me... Amber Young. Hello there. <laughs> I looked at you then and you looked at me back like... At oh a moment, that's my name. <laughs> Who am I? I mean, it's 2023, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but we got there in the end. Um, I feel like this episode is going to be quite a cultured episode there we go I said it I went there Um, quite a few months back we went to Sotheby's they had an art of motoring exhibition on and it was such a lovely afternoon it was it was quite something actually to see that much art in one space that was so clean as well but it was just I'm gonna say it and it sounds a little bit cringy but magical quite frankly yeah I like that. I like that. <laughs> I'm just looking at you now, talk, Amber. Uh, yes, we um, chatted to uh, quite a few of the exhibitionists there at Sotheby's. We chatted to Martin Tomlinson, Richard Niergaard, Heidi Moraz, and uh, Johnny Ambrose, uh, who we all should know Johnny Ambrose by now, car art and um, collaborator. And yes, very interesting stories. Again, just how they got there, how their their art was was created, and yeah, wonderful, wonderful afternoon. So enjoy, absolutely. And if you want to hear some random little anecdotes that you just wouldn't expect, quite frankly, I think you'll enjoy these conversations. <laughs> the Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, Martin, um, we're here at Sotheby's. Uh, first of all, um, tell us why. what brings you to Sotheby's today? What brings me to Sotheby's today is to sell some of my art, which is uh, based around motorsport. And I've painted 
pictures of racing cars for several decades, shall we say, and um, I was lucky enough to be invited along to um, put my latest stuff on the walls here and um, see what the public thought of them. What first got you into falling in love with motorsport? Uh, well, my dad, really. He, he took me along as a three-year-old and um, apparently I screamed the place down because of the noise, <laughs> so we left early, but I gradually got used to the noise yeah. and uh, through the years I've followed it, you know, right from the early 1950s right through to today and uh, I've raced cars, I've commentated at Brands Hatch and um, recently I've just written a book. Yeah, well, look, tell us about, about the book because it's, it's a fascinating insight really into your history and love of motorsport. Yeah. Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell, yes, it is. Well, it's, an, it's an obsession, really. It's yeah. just it's unbelievable. But... Um, as an eight-year-old, I was given an autograph book for a birthday present. And um, a couple of weeks later, I went with my dad to Brands Hatch to watch some car racing. And uh, he went his way, and I went mine. And, and in those days, an eight-year-old could walk freely around the place. And nobody, and nobody worried about it. It wasn't unusual. Yeah. And um, within two or three hours, I'd got the uh, autographs of four world champions. That, that was Jack Brabham. Mike Hawthorne, uh, Graham Hill, and um, Jeff Jeff Duke, who was a motorcycle motorcycle world yeah. champion, and uh, that's a good day. <laughs> it was a good it was a good start, and I kept this book for about ten years. Uh, I didn't I didn't take it to every race meeting. I used to go a lot, a lot, a lot, but didn't take it to every meeting. But when I did take it, in in those days. All these uh, racing drivers, the world champions, were very, very acceptable. You could go up and talk to them. I mean, you can't do that now. They, you know, there's a wall of PR in front of them, and if you can find them, and mm. what they come out with is a bit trite. And uh, yeah. but you could talk to these 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 characters, and it was it was it was wonderful. And uh, so it, it went on from there um, until I got. I was probably late teens and I went to Silverstone and um, I got the, for me, the jewel in the crown was getting Juan Fangio's autograph. Oh, wow, yeah. Five times world champion. Yeah, yeah. And um, after that, I thought, well, you, you've done it all now. Peaked. You, you've peaked <laughs> and, and you're getting on a bit at 17. Um, so I, I stopped collecting them um, until... In the 19, early 1990s, I went with my dad to a, a, a classic historic car race mm. and we were walking around the paddock and there at a long table was sat Jack Brabham, who was a three times world champion, Rob Walker, who used to sponsor Sterling Moss, Trevor Taylor, who was a Formula One driver, Roy Salvadori, who's won the Mong 24 hour race mm. and um, Brian Redman. Uh, who's won loads of sports car races in the late 60s, early 70s, and they were signing autographs. Now, uh, my son wasn't with me that day, um, but I had a programme and I thought, hmm, perhaps you could all, could you boys sign this programme? And uh, one of them, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I have a feeling it was Roy Salvadori, said, well, aren't you a bit... Too old for collecting <gasps> autographs. Cheeky. No, well, no. He, he was, you know, tongue in cheek. Yeah. And I said, I responded, well, 
these aren't for me, this, this is for my son who can't be here today. And in any case, I've already got all your autographs, I got them 30, 40 years ago. But this time when you sign it, could you please make it in joined up writing? <laughs> which, which, they, which they all laughed. Of course they, they signed and I've got this oh, wonderful wow. programme cover. My son's now got this wonderful programme cover with all these That's amazing. great autographs on it. Yeah. Um, so that's about it. But you know, I I paint. I love I love painting, and, and and that's my interest. So I'm hoping, I hope that you know this, my love of the sport and my comes out. The passion in, for yeah, it. Yeah, passion. Yeah, yeah it comes it comes out in my art. So. And it is in your blood, isn't it? Like when you fall in love with motorsport, that's it. Well, that's that's actually the title of the first chapter of the book. Well, it's, there it's, we it, go. it's in the it's in the blood. Yeah. You know, because my dad used to race, his dad used to race, my son races. So. It, there's four generations of one family have all raced wow. and survived. Yeah, <laughs> so, which, which in is, itself is a miracle. Yeah, well, certainly, certainly in the old day. days, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and so what made you, for the book, what made you decide to put all of this in a book? Or was it just more of like, it's like a personal journal, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, Andrew Marriott, who, you know, who's very well known as a, a broadcaster and a commentator, just suggested it to me. We, we, I showed him my autograph book and uh, he said, well, you there's a book in this. Mm. So we thought about it and thought about it and I started putting it together. And, um, you know, here it is. But it, it, it's a picture book, really. There's a few stories which I've written, which Andrew had to, uh, well, he had to look at the grammar quite strongly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was up a 4B and not very good at English, so my, my grammar, forget <laughs> my grammar. And, um, but Andrew helped me with that and he's also written bits in the book as well. But it's mainly a picture book that you can dip in and out of. You don't have to read it, you know, cover to cover, because yeah. it's it's not one story. It's lots of snippets of memories. I think it's lovely, and we've, we're going to leave a link as well to the oh, book thank and you. all the details. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, on our YouTube page. Yeah, well, it's it's been released this week, and um, you know, yeah. it, it's uh, it, it, it's something very different. It's not been done before no. uh, as a motor racing book. That motor racing books are normally autobiographies or stories about particular races. This is not that at all. This is about characters and what they meant to me and, you know, so. It's an absolute delight. Look, thank you so much. That's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. Thank, thank you very much. Well, Richard, what brings you to Sotheby's today? I was invited. <laughs> <laughs> so a fascination with car art mm. and, um, particularly seeing all the artists that they've assembled here, which are the best, you know, they could find. And so it's a pleasure for me to be able to see other people who have the same, you know, creative ideas and share their ideas and really mm. enjoy, you know, are passionate about this kind of art. Yeah. And it stimulates you, motivates you mm. to see other people interested like I am. Well, tell us about your art. So my art always uses real car parts, original car parts from classic cars, from race cars, Formula Ones, and so forth. And the idea behind it is I have a target not to do man cave work. So right, a lot okay. of car art is man cave. You know, somebody cuts the front of a Ford Mustang and hands it, yeah. hangs it over okay, their bar. Yeah. It looks nice, but it's not, it's not art. Mm. So my ultimate test is to get into the living room. And not be in the study or the garage, you know, with the guy's car collection. Because it's a different piece of work, yeah. Well, you know, it has to get usually past the wife. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she cares that it's art, that it looks nice. Mm. 
And so the way I make my art, I try that. At first, you see something that looks nice. Only secondly, you notice it's a car. And only yeah. thirdly, you notice there's a car part with a story. And so, you know, if they have it then in their living room, their friends come over and everybody says, oh, that's quite nice on your wall. And then it's the husband who can say, oh, yes, ah. that's my car. You know, yeah. it's my classic car, which you can't see because it's in a garage far away or it's being restored with my original part on it. And here's the story behind it and so forth. So it becomes a lot more than just, you know, some art on the wall. Yeah. It becomes history and story and personal, personal and hopefully some bragging, you know, and storytelling yeah. yeah. for the owner. And uh, the type of art I have here today, I, I think, pretty much achieves that. Mm. Uh, I've sold a lot where the people do put them in the living room. Why cars? How did this, for you, what is your, your background? How did you end up do, working with cars, involving cars in your artwork? Interesting story. So I was always passionate about cars. I used to race cars. I was okay. always rebuilding and driving sports cars, track days, and so forth. Mm. And then, it's a very odd story. I was not an artist. I had just retired from 30 years of work in consumer goods companies, where I did mainly marketing. So one of the things I did, for example, if you have a dishwasher, do you? Uh, yes, yeah, couldn't so, live without it. <laughs> so you might have heard of a detergent called the Finnish Powerball tablet. Yeah. So I invented that. No. So, so I was in charge of Finnish worldwide at the time. So I've, I've done many other things, but that was one of the things that you might have heard of. So that was my 30-year, let's say, business marketing career. And then I retired from that. And one day I was driving. I had a McLaren. And a truck in front of me, a construction truck, dropped a rock off the back. A big one and it landed under the car and it damaged everything under the car and the dealer replaced all these pieces and then you know when you pick up your car they say well we're going to show you what we replaced and then we're going to bin it okay yeah and i said you're not going to bin that yeah. it's all carbon fiber and you know machined aluminum and it's it's gorgeous they said well what will you do with it i, said, I don't know i'll cut it up and make art and hang it on my wall i mean it's so they beautiful they thought you were mad they thought they thought i'm mad so <laughs> i went home I made a piece, you know, I, I didn't know at the time that by cutting it all up and making art, I was devaluing. I could have sold all those parts on eBay and it was <laughs> worth 10 times what the art was worth in the end. But uh, I, I made a piece and people said, oh, it doesn't look too bad. And so I went back and I asked the mechanic, do you have any more parts? And he said, uh, I shouldn't give them to you, but back up your SUV after hours and I'll really? fill it. And so he filled my car. And so I, from that, I could start to make a lot of pieces of art until I figured out a style that yeah. worked better. But And from that, I actually became an artist. I was not an artist before. I've never been an artist. and never was the, you know, the teenager who drew in their notebook in class or something. It just caught on. I mean, I was always very, very creative. I yeah. always did marketing work and advertising work and so forth. It's a very natural but transition for you. Natural transition into creativity then you discover art isn't the same as creativity. It needs a lot of creativity, but if you're creative, you're not automatically an artist. No, true. And so if you look in the exhibition this week, most of the artists, I would say, are more skilled in art than I am. Technically, with painting. Then. With painting, yes, yes for yes. example. I think I'm much more on the creative end. Mine is different. Yeah. Mine is interesting. Theirs is more skillful. Mm. Um, but you know, you have to look at the whole spectrum when you look at art, because I mean, art is anything from crazy installations to statements to, to fine art painting, and you Very have every, everything in yeah, between. Yeah. So I'm clearly not so much on the fine art mm. end of the spectrum and a bit more on the creativity and 
multimedia and sort of mm. idea concept art side yeah. of it. But, um, so how did it grow then from that moment of, I was going to say stealing car parts, but you didn't steal, you were given car parts, <laughs> um, to finding your, your rhythm, your, your pattern, how did it go from that to ending up here? Well, I, another funny story because I have a very close friend whose family is one of the biggest art dealers in Europe. And so I made three pieces of this cut-up art I described, and I called him up and I said, I know how artists are made. If some famous gallery pushes them, then overnight mm. their, you know, their stuff goes for a million pounds or whatever. So, so, true. so you're going to do that for me. Because we're, we're like brothers. You know, we've oh, okay. known him all my life. confident. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, we're like brothers. Uh, so I can tell you, I won't say what he said. <laughs> but he said, no way, go stuff yourself. You know, go to art school. Pay your dues. Yeah. You know, all the artists that you think came out overnight and suddenly their work is worth a fortune. Yeah. It was never uh, overnight. They, yeah. they, they were teenage uh, prodigies. They went to mm. the best schools. They worked hard. They became a slave of some famous artist and cleaned his brushes for 10 years. You know, and they paid their dues. Yeah. And then suddenly they're discovered. It's yeah. not very sudden. So he said, go to art school and call me in five years. So I went to art school here in London. Oh, wow. Uh, to UAL. What was that like? And um, frustrating because, you know, I had to work very hard to produce very mediocre art. And then you get these teenage kids mm. who do, you know, they sit at the back of the class until the teacher says the time is almost done. We have 20 minutes left of a two or four hour session. And then they stop texting for a minute. <laughs> they grab their brushes and they say, oh, we're supposed to do something. And they go, whap, 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 whap. Annoyingly talented. And they produce something yeah. brilliant in 20 minutes that I couldn't do in two hours. I couldn't yeah. do in two weeks, probably. And yeah, so that it's frustrating mm. to see very talented people around you. <laughs> I hear um, you. <laughs> who do, you know, wonderful things. I mean, it's very nice to, mm. to see it. But then when you're trying to do it yeah. and you have to work much harder than they do, yeah, it can be. Yeah, it's eye-opening but frustrating. Definitely eye-opening. <laughs> um, it's amazing though that you actually did go to art school for five years. So after those, and you must so clearly you must have been very passionate. Like this is a passion project to yeah, go through. All it was of this. a challenge. It was. A, it's oh, an okay. interesting challenge yeah. because, you know, when I was running consumer goods companies, mm. all of us thought we're really macho, tough guys because competition is really hard. You know, we have all the other big companies. There's four or five other big companies, and private label and you know all kinds of you know we said we're six competitors and they're all you know uh, doing things every week to try to you know take away our market share so we're really tough to fight with them and then i got into the art world there's not six competitors there's about 100 million yeah <laughs> you know there's worldwide there's probably 100 million artists so true. and all of them are producing you know a new piece of art every couple of days or every couple of weeks and so you imagine by the end of the month you have an another half a billion products on the market mm. you know we used to be nervous when somebody launched three things a year you know and half a billion per week or it's per madness month, it's it's a level of competition now luckily there's there's enough demand out there mm. so all the good people have a big enough yeah. slice of a pie to work with if, if they're good at promoting themselves or they're making appealing art um, but the, but the minefield you're in it's it's so much yeah. harder so much more challenging yeah. than any of the organized corporate businesses that I've ever been involved in so that makes it fascinating it, it, it makes it a, a massive challenge and at the same time 
I, I don't really do it for a living, so it makes that, it low yes. stress. I was going to say that. So it's, it's a voluntary challenge. Yes. Like a lot of people who are into, I don't know, extreme sports, they do it because it's very difficult, but nobody, they're not getting paid. You know, they, yeah. they do it for the enjoyment it's and the not personal that challenge. everything is exactly. resting on this success. Yeah. yeah. And so you, then at, at, in some cases, you're willing to push yourself even further mm-hmm. when you know it's voluntary than when you were pushed probably by more, a corporation. You're fearless, way more fearless. Yeah. When you're like that. And you enjoy it more. Yeah. Okay. So you finished art school. Yeah. Um, and then did you go back to your friend and say, look, I've done it. I've finished Not yet. School. Not oh. yet. I, I mean, now that I've had a few exhibitions this summer, yeah. uh, I may well go back to him and say it's time. And are you enjoying it, this side, very, seeing your work much. up there? Very, very much, yeah. And what's yeah. been your favourite piece that you've done? Has there been a favourite piece? Um, yeah, I would say one of the ones downstairs, mm-hmm. that's the Ferrari 250 GTO. It's actually Ralph Lauren's car. It is probably the most valuable car in the world and it was photographed by the world's top car photographer and he was nice enough to let me use you know a photo for it and, yeah. and it, it's a beautiful car and a beautiful photograph so when you then wow. see it on a glossy background the way I make it with the big chrome spinner on it yeah. uh, then I mean the sex appeal I guess of yes, it is, yeah, is yeah. spectacular so uh, that's amazing it works very well and how did you end up with Ralph like even being involved with photograph well Oh, I, I wasn't involved. I, I simply contacted the photographer and begged. Okay. And I, and I told him, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very poor student struggling. of art, struggling yeah. and starving, just starting yeah. out. Would you please? And he said, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, just to help, a, him up. help a little yeah. young 12-year-old artist like you are. So that's me. So. That's brilliant. And where next? What is your aim after, after this exhibition? Do you want to see your work in more? What do you want to do? Where do you want to push it? I think the next thing is to try to reinvent what I've done mm-hmm. to see if it can be even better. You know, add more dimensions to it somehow, add movement or something, mm-hmm. something different. Because as an artist, you, you want to do something creatively different. So mm-hmm. when, when your audience says, you've got it, that's exactly the formula, make another 50 of those. Yeah. That's exactly when you say, I don't, okay, I'm done. I don't want to make a single one more. If this is already, you know, plateaued, mm-hmm. even if everybody wants to buy it, I, I don't want to make it anymore. I want to invent the next, okay. the next one. Yeah. Well, look, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's a big pleasure. Um, and we'll leave all the links and everything underneath our, our, our YouTube and podcast and everything. Super. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, Heidi, first of all, what brings you to Sotheby's today? I, I want to share my art, which shares the story of cars. And I'm honored to be here to be part of the Art of Motoring exhibition uh, that the RAC is putting on in conjunction with Motor Week. So your, your art is, you can really feel the story, the, the, the reasoning behind it. So how did you first of all get into drawing, painting cars? Where did this love or passion come from? Well, you know, my, my father, really, he took me to all the car shows when I was a young child. And he would spend hours talking to the people and the salesmen about these cars. And basically, I would sit down at a table and they'd give me some paper and I would begin to draw the cars. So I spent a, a lot of time sketching these cars as a young child and details of them because typically there would only be, you know, in a place where he was talking, three or four different cars. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So how did that go from you being there drawing cars to ending up with your work at Gary? How did this all come from? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I'm sure you love a good car story just like I do. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I had an exhibit at a local cafe mm-hmm. and uh, they had a fantastic cars and coffee and I wanted to reach this group so I created automotive art um, out of magazines and as I was going through these magazines I I got sucked into the stories and I thought you know what I'm going to make these cars out of the actual stories of the magazines and that's how it started. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. So let's explain this because um, downstairs, and um, when I say downstairs, that's where um, all the, the, the work is, um, one of the cars with all the butterflies coming off of it, and then there's another one, I believe, that was under the, the Yes, the, the Bugatti of so, Lake Majore. Yes, yes. yes. talk about the Bugatti first. Well, uh, you know what, um, it, you, you hear these stories, and they're such exceptional stories, and, uh, and, and part of my mission is to share these stories. Well, um, the Bugatti of Lake Majore is a, a story about a Type 25, a Type 22 Bugatti Brescia, 1925 Bugatti Brescia. And it was put in the lake to somewhat hide it from the tax man. Right. <laughs> and, um, but when they put it in a lake, they put it on a chain because they thought they'd pull it back out. But the chain rusted and broke, and it rolled 175 feet to the bottom of this lake, flipped on its side, and part of it that was stuck in the muck was literally preserved, and the other side was sort of open and like a skeleton. And it became, it was legendary, and then it became an underwater dive destination to go down and see this famous Bugatti of the lake. And in 2009, a, a young man um, was killed. Um, he was beaten on the banks of Ascona, and they decided they were going to raise this car to uh, found a foundation in his name. And um, and they did. And the car was then sold at Retromobile. And um, my um, client, who owns the vehicle, commissioned me to tell the story of this car. And one of the unique things that I like to do is. I like to use novelty in my pieces to have, so that people will kind of lean into the story and say, why did you do that? Mm. So for this one, I took a canvas to the very spot in the lake where the car was submerged. I painted it with water-soluble inks, 
and had the father of the boy, who was the dive master, take it down 175 feet and let the water wash away part of this canvas, the ink on this canvas, just like it had washed away part of the car. So it was really, it's really a moving piece because it has so many parts to it, yes. And then um, what I do also is um, do a lot of research about the car so I can help tell the story. And then that ephemera that I find is what I use to sort of decompose and recompose it into the shape of the car. So when you step close, you find these little gold nuggets of information that tell you you know, when it was built, what type of car it was, who owned it, where, you know, all these, these different things that, um, that car enthusiasts really love. Mm. I say, you know, when you're stepping closer, it's, it is kind of like crack. <laughs> these little details. But um, the Bugatti, uh, so the, the 917, the Porsche 917, yeah. which is the butterfly piece, that um, came out of hearing a little-known story about how this car was so uncontrollable and they figured out what was wrong with it because they were dead they found dead bugs on the car everywhere but the rear wing and so they knew immediately it was an aerodynamic problem and not a suspension geometry problem mm -hmm. and so they fixed it and it went on to begin become one of the greatest race cars of all time but the story wasn't well known the the chief engineer that noticed the dead bugs um, he wrote a book about it, but not many people read right. it. So, so it. the story hadn't gotten out. So I thought, you know, it was a really important moment in motorsport history, and I wanted to share it. So I thought, if I do, if I create it out of butterflies, and these are all hand-cut uh, paper butterflies, uh, and pin them with entomology pins, it's framed. These are re reproductions that are here, but the original piece is put in a specimen box, and at the tail end, where we, where the wind would uh, wind would flow and the airflow would follow, it's cut out of the book that echoes the same story, Jay Gelati's Golf 917. Sure, it's, it's, it's a, every single piece of, of your work tells a story. Yes. It's not, I'm not comparing it to others, but it's not just, there we go, this is my, this is the car. It's telling you a story, it's, it's speaking to you. And is that, is that what you wanted? You wanted every piece to be a story? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I curate each and every piece. I really think about it. Um, uh, and some of the crazy things that I've done to share these stories is, um, so my most recent piece, which is called Move Earth, actually, which is at the RAC right now on display, um, that piece I dragged a canvas um, through a thousand mile race in the desert to instill it with the silt that the, the area is known for. And oh, at wow. night, the crew used it. Um, they laid on it as a tarp on the ground when they pitted the car, and then they wiped their, their greasy grimy hands on it as well so it it lit that lives with that piece and then That's all amazing. the information is built on top of it there's so much life and energy then yes the story actually on the painting yes yes and how long does each piece take uh, they you know it's a labor of love they, right, they yeah. take uh they can they take over a year oh, wow. so yeah but 50 percent of the time is spent uh researching a vehicle yeah, i was gonna say that how do how does do the stories come to you or you go to them how do you find them it's very ideas? interesting um uh, most of the time i'm commissioned to do pieces oh. and i'm very very good at researching a vehicle so i you know one of my clients once said they get a twofer because they get this beautiful <laughs> piece of art that tells the story of this the history of this car on a single canvas but then they also get this research and research and provenance is something that 
that helps prove a car's authenticity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more you can gather about the vehicle, uh, the more you can prove and the more valuable it may be because you mm -hmm. can prove it. Um, and so I'm very, very good at that, uh, at finding those little Definitely. bits. And I think because I use a different lens to look for things. A traditional journalist may go about it a different way where uh, for me as an artist, you know, I'm looking for visual clues. And to give you an idea, for one of the race cars that I was doing, it was a 60s race car, somebody said to me, how the heck did you get this stuff? It's never been seen before. And, you know, it's been a long time since this car's been out. And I said, well, simple. I just, I, I was noticing as I was doing my research that there were a lot of women in the in the pits. They allowed women in the pits at that time. So I asked the race car drivers, um, who's that girl? And is, was that your girlfriend? What's her name? And I went to them and then I, they, were, they were very happy to sit with me and share their stories. Well, those stories and those albums hadn't been seen before. And so that was one way. It's just a one, yeah, one way. And what you, I mean, if you can say, like, what are you working on at the moment? I have a, I've spent a year and a half following around um, a gentleman racer in Ferrari Challenge. It's really, really an exciting piece. And um, I've been, he's been, he's an exceptional gentleman driver. And so it, it's been really wonderful to follow and watch him. But, but, but I immerse myself in it. So he takes me um, with him when he is racing. And so I get to go when he's practicing and when he's speaking with his coach and when he does his track walk and when he's reviewing his footage. So this, it's this fully immersive uh, experience and then what I do is I take all that information and those photographs and all that story and I build it into the shape of a car but I'm going to tell you it's really difficult to create them it's almost like imagine taking 15 to 20 boxes of 500 piece puzzles that are not the same color not the same subject matter they there no these pieces don't ever fit together put them all in a box mm. shake them up and then say try and create the perfect a replica of this car, an illustration, and don't lose any of the important details of the story. In other words, there, I, I, I set it up to say, we are gonna tell the story of this vehicle from the manufacturers to, to every pilot, to who, who restored it. So all of those details and specification are in there. They're not hidden. You can find them. You just have to step in. It's very similar, sounds very similar. It's as if you're an actress preparing for a part, a role. The amount of research you're doing, and you're becoming that role, in it's, a way. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I'm honored to be able to share these stories. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's really about the people and the culture, mm -hmm. and and the experiences that surround these vehicles. So I I like to say that in my stories, the automobile is always the protagonist. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. That really is. Um, and you showed me earlier a scarf. Are you looking for different ways to? For, for, for people to, to see your, your art. Yes, yeah. I'm, uh, I would love, uh, there's another series that's in there, it's called Pedal to the Metal. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, it, uh, it looks like a botanical, vintage botanical print. And that came about um, because of a bet. A client said to me, Heidi, you know, I would love for you to do more art for me, but my garage is full and my wife will not allow me to put any automotive <laughs> art in the house. And I said, oh, I got you. Uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So we came up with doing this, and what's really beautiful about that, about that piece is both the feminine and masculine sides are are, are taken sort of take care of, and there are these they are beautiful, and they look like flowers. But when you step up close, you realize it's supercars, and where the where the uh, the 
uh, plate information would be its, it's speci specifications about the car and same thing with the taxonomy of what the species of the flower would be. It's all information about the car. So when you lean in, you realize, wait a second, this is not a botanical print at all. It's actually car art. And it's pedal to the metal. Uh, the background is, you know, instead of pushing the pedal down into the metal, uh, you know, like you would be racing away, petal of the petal of the flowers. And the petal of the flowers are made from photographs of the car that I then cut up in the shape of the flowers. But you can clearly see them when you step in. Now, we'll, we'll circle back to the scarf. So um, they are beautiful in themselves. The flower heads that are made out of these supercars are spectacular. And they're, they're just gorgeous. And so we thought, well, why not um, share them and share that story using yeah. uh, silk scarves? And so we're, we're beginning to develop a line of, of Lux uh, pieces that can also share their stories. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And where can people find your, your art? Is there a website? Is there... So right now there's a website, which is um, www.heidimaraz.com. And then um, Instagram is the best way to see um, what's happening because we, we populate that, you know, uh, as things happen. So I'm, I'm going to be sharing some things that happen here. And, you know, I'm grateful that you're here to share also share these stories. We're very grateful. I think it's a fantastic story. And I love your approach to creating your work. I really, really do. Um, Heidi, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So, Johnny, what brings you to Sotheby's today? Well, I'm, uh, I'm exhibiting at the Automotoring Exhibition, which is uh, in association with RM Sotheby's and the Royal Automobile Club. Um, and normally the exhibition, which is running, been running for nine years now, um, uh, with a multitude of artists. It's a multi-artist show. And uh, normally it's at the Royal Automobile Club, and this year we're inside Sotheby's, and it's grand, as you, as you can yeah, see. Yeah. Um, it's my first time here, first time actually ever inside Sotheby's, and um, I must admit, shamefacedly, um, I didn't realise there's so many galleries here. Mm. It's not just about the uh, auctions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a little maze here, it really is. Um, so, obviously, you've got some of like, your work here. There's quite an eclectic mix, isn't there, of artists here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, the, the main organiser is Andrew Marriott, who I've known for many years now, going back to the 90s, and he's always been a massive supporter of, um, of the arts, uh, but motoring art uh, specifically, because that's his background. Um, and uh, in conjunction with uh, uh, Rupert Wright, uh, Wright of um, White, sorry, of um, Historic Motoring Arts, um, they, who's curated the exhibition, um, there's 25 artists in total, and yes, you're right, it is really eclectic mix of painting, sculpture, illustration, all sorts. When you look at other people's work, do you kind of think, oh, that's a good idea? Do you get inspired by it, or is it just so different to what you do? You don't. I, I suppose every artist gets inspired, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. It may not be something that you've seen before or even thought about a medium or a material or a, a style of doing things. But um, like with other shows uh, where there's been multiple artists involved, like mm. Sleeping With Art, which happened lately, um, it's just really good to see mm. um, a diverse mix of styles. And you kind of think, wow, you know, how do they come up with that? Yeah. You yeah. know, because you, uh, from a personal standpoint, 
um, you kind of think along one trajectory and that might divert now and again yeah. to slightly differing ideas but and then somebody will come along um, who you you know may or not seen on the internet and it's and uh, and now you're seeing it in real life mm. which is great you I mean, I can tell your love for what you do. I mean, it's obvious when you talk, when you talk about other artists as well. Mm. How, how did you get involved with being an artist? Like, what came first, the wanting to be involved with cars or wanting to create? It's like the chicken and the egg. Oh, crikey. <laughs> yes. Um, it was... Um, yeah, it was, it was always cars. It was always uh, from growing up and doodling and scribbling, drawing cars... Um, but um, I really started um, doing the bigger sculptures as you as you might have seen from when I did uh, fine art sculpture at uh, uni, um, and I was kind of just kind of wanted to do what I wanted to do. It, at that time, it may not have seen be seen as um, kind of fine art. A t- traditional fine art subject but now anything goes obviously yeah. so I, I just believe in do what you love do what you want to do and if it chimes with somebody else then that's great obviously yeah. Yeah. but uh, but n- yeah you just have to try and pursue your what your vision of what you want to do is it quite hard as well to tell a story via art through cars to a degree yes I I feel sometimes people get the work just from a visual Mm. aesthetic and just the seeing the form and uh, obviously I do 3d form so uh, you know you can move around the the work and perhaps see it from different uh, vantage points and um, but I do find um, some people uh, like to have words and, and description of what the idea is behind that work um, and then it kind of because it doesn't always come across mm. visually which I appreciate it doesn't you know and it's <laughs> well, just take it personally no no well no it, you know it's, it's just yeah. some crazy idea that come, comes out of my brain but yeah. uh, you know it's uh, I don't expect people to, to see it how I see it yeah. absolutely yeah. so if you can tell us what are you working on at the moment ah uh, well uh, uh, <laughs> um I've I've got some commissions I'm finishing off, mm. um, and and I, I'm going to try and have some downtime over over the winter if I can because it's been a full-on year, yeah. and uh, and just recharge uh, for next year. Mm. Uh, but I'm planning some big F1 works for next year. Um, ah. Can't say more than oh, that, well but uh, <laughs> you know, in due course, uh, you'll see uh, what I'll, I'll be doing. So. How long does it take as well, by the way, to create something? Or is that like saying how long is a piece of string? Because it just depends what it is you need to do. Yeah, it depends on... There's so many factors. It depends on uh, the design. That's the the key um, as to how complex it is. Then the materials you're working with, whether it's something that um, you're creating in uh, a software, computer-aided design environment, so that it can be manufactured or milled or 3D printed, or whether it's the uh, hand-formed side, the more traditional, like taking a piece of wood and, uh, and forming that, steam-bending it, uh, as, uh, as featured in many of my works. So it can be anything from uh, relatively, you know, a couple of weeks to two months plus, you know, and okay. so, yeah. yeah. 
the Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. So, so there we go. Thanks for listening. I again, I really enjoyed that because I went into you know that that podcast thinking we're at Sotheby's. Who are we going to? Who's going to be there? Because again, we didn't know who was going to be there on the day. We didn't know, therefore, the people that were there much about their backgrounds, their their pieces of of art. So. Yeah, fly by the seat of our pants, I think, when it came to finding people to to interview. But it was wonderful. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think those conversations are the best, though, because you walk into it and it becomes so entirely organic because you, you haven't met these people before. They are inspirational and actually you hear it first from their mouth. And I have to say, I was, I was feeling quite thoroughly inspired. Enough to take... Photos, etc., outside of Sotheby's as well. Enough to break a car, get a piece of a car, and turn it into art. Is that I would how much love you inspired? Oh yeah, you actually, you actually were. Uh, well, if you want to catch more, as always, of of the podcast of us, then you can catch Dream and Chat uh, podcast over on the usual socials. We've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, we've also got YouTube as well, which. Which I love. I always feel like, you know, we're bringing back YouTube, but I, I believe we're going to be doing more YouTube content as well moving forward. So do do have a look and there'll be plenty more podcasts on their way. Indeed. Thanks. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> the Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.